Help yourself to health. Get some pep for work or play. Help yourself to health. Drink a quart of milk each day. You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and Ola. I am, in fact, Spud Goodman. The Spud Man. And you, I sincerely hope, are the listener and not a bot or something. Not that I'm too proud to claim bot traffic in our monthly numbers, as I'm not. Uh, you know, every listen counts on the stats, even if it's like high-tech spam sent to annoy and suck data from our website. Uh, but on, on this Inside the Spud Gooden Radio Show, we'll be taking a look at what was originally titled Gerald's episode, but it was later uh, retitled to be the wholesome episode, as that is what it became. No matter how hard I fought to give it some needed adult content, you know what that means? You know, just, uh, yeah, anyway. It, it was first broadcast on 8-20-2015, and it, it was very painful at the time to sit in the studio and allow my show to be commandeered by someone. Uh, yes, it was ordered by management. That's that's the backstory there. Some rating stun or something as, as you know, they let Gerald take over this one, and, of course, he changed the whole freaking vibe of the show. At least it featured actress and singer Shirley Jones, best known for playing Mrs. Partridge on the Partridge Family TV show back in the day. But also, of course, you know, she won an Oscar for her role in the film Elmer Gantry in 1960 and starred in many very successful musicals, uh, including Oklahoma, Carousel, and The Music Man. This, this woman has led an incredible life, and she shared a bit of it with me. Also on this episode, I interviewed the late actress Cindy Williams of Laverne and Shirley TV fame, but but also she starred in many great films too, like American Graffiti, The Conversation, and Drive, he said. Uh, that was Jack Nicholson's first film that he directed. She was a blast to speak with, totally. I mean, yeah, a really cool woman who will be missed by many as she, you know, she passed away in January of 2023. Yeah. Uh, the musical guest on this one was Once Upon a Tuesday, a, a band that Gerald personally booked for the show. Uh, yeah, I'll just let that, yeah, yeah, I'll let that go, and we'll deal with that later. Uh, right now, I need to introduce our show's designated laugher, Maya and Dorothy. Uh, give us a sample of your skill set, if you would. Uh, well, okay. Um, here's a chuckle. <laughs> Hmm. But now, do you want a belly laugh, too? Nah, I mean, that, that chuckle will do, but I do hope you take it up a notch if I say something particularly funny or at least, you know, kind of witty. Oh, I'll do my best when needed. Okay. Well, now I'm supposed to introduce our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. I will not be asking you to display your skill set, okay? As, let's be honest, that would be problematic for you. But, you know, how, how about you, like, just grunt or something so the listeners know you're with us on this podcast? Yes! Grunt? Yeah, I, I don't do guttural sounds, bud. I've told you that before. How about I just say how excited I am to do this episode of our new podcast and how much... Okay, okay then, okay, okay. And moving on, I need oh. to introduce our show's intern, supposedly the most popular person on our old radio show. To this day, you know, I still stand by my official protest about the numbers from that stupid listener survey that said people like him a lot. Uh, I just don't see it myself, you know, but... 
anyway, here he is, uh, Mr. Personality, Chance the Intern. You can remain in denial for the rest of your life, but that listener survey was triple-checked by management, and it was validated as 100% accurate. People love me, Spud. Get over it. Americans love a winner. Well, you got my vote, babe. I know I wasn't supposed to wade in on the survey being a member of the show, but I couldn't stop myself. I sent in my vote anyway for chance as the most popular person on the program. I feel comfortable announcing this now as the radio show is history. Um, so really, what are they going to do to me? Well, I, Aunt Dorothy, you just admitted to what might be a felony or something. That, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of totally invalidates everything, though. You know, now that I think about it. No. I, I knew it. It was a rigged survey. How does one out of thousands of votes for me as the most popular person on the show invalidate the integrity of the survey? Your jealousy is still quite sad. Oh, honey, honey, just let it go. We all know the truth. People love you. Yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, right now we're going to play the start of the wholesome episode. And now I will warn the listeners that the first few minutes feature a hell of a lot of Gerald. So you might want to turn down the volume or, or maybe go to the bathroom, you know, or something. Uh, until I regain some control of this thing. Dave, roll it. Welcome, everyone, to the Spud Goodman Show. My name is Gerald Holcomb, and I'm going to be your host for tonight. Well, well, yeah, if not host, then you're master of ceremonies. How's that sound, Spud? Uh, I, I know you're a little sensitive to me assuming the title of host. Well, because you're not the host of this show. Well, I am, for the record. I am Spud Goodman, and this is still my show. Of, of course, but tonight is a special show, a change of pace, and I just want our listeners to sit back, enjoy what's going to be a fabulous hour of Fa entertainment. Fabulous? Oh, indeed. We've got so much planned. I, I just want to get this party started right now. What do you think? Hmm. Well, first of all, this is not a party. party. This is a radio show. My radio show. If a party is thrown, I will be in charge of planning and sending out the invitations. Why don't you just concentrate on reading the notes our esteemed executive producer wrote for you? You know, that ought to keep both your right and left side of your brain occupied. Right, right. And before I get going here, I should introduce our designated laugher, Gina. Glad to have you with us, Gina. Uh, yes. <laughs> I uh, oh. sort of signed on to do the Spud Goodman show, not the Gerald Holcomb show. Well, I why didn't you say so? I know it's a one-time-only thing, but still, I, I really don't feel comfortable with this. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you, Gina. Uh, you know, I should probably explain why I'm sitting in the host chair tonight. It's uh, come think? to well, it's come to our attention that an occasional guest host can give a boost to the ratings, <laughs> and our executive producer Lori Madsen felt I would be a great choice to be the first one. And the last one. Well, why don't we wait and see how the show goes, bud? I got to tell you, I'm pretty darn excited about this opportunity because, well, you know from the last staff meeting, the ratings or numbers haven't exactly been great lately. Uh. And I say, why hide that from our audience? Lori has research that indicates your worldview is a little bit too cynical for most. Big surprise to longtime listeners, right? Uh, Spud, there's a good chance you just might be a tad too downbeat for mainstream success. <laughs> Thoroughly disagree. Well, Thoroughly. 
That's what the research has found. And this show needs a huge dose of wholesomeness. And I'm going to do my best to deliver it. So I ask you, keep an open mind and let us just see if this new approach won't just get this show to the next level. Or kill it forever. Just, no. just how wholesome do you plan to go here? Are we talking about bringing on like pets and little kids or, or just turn it into that maybe. Pinterest website and we can swap recipes or maybe discuss quilting Ooh. techniques? I'm sorry. Pinterest is really lame. My mother feels the same way, by the way. Right. Well, I, I didn't want to bring my wife into this conversation, but I got to tell you, she loves Pinterest and she feels... Your, um, uh, I guess I'd say counterculture vibe is off-putting to most Americans. So, I know we're still doing okay in Germany. That's right. There may be some residual effect of the Cold War Good working talk. in your favor, but in this country, the anti-hero might have been tolerated 15 years ago, but Spud, it's 2015, and people have evolved. Thank God. Stupid evolution. <laughs> well, I still enjoy movies with the anti-hero. But Gina... Full disclosure on your part, you're one of those <clears throat> juggalos, so yeah. Okay, let's start so? with some music like we always do. I personally um, picked out this tune. Whoa, I will not apologize yeah. as I am a proud juggalo. And would it kill right. somebody on this show to actually play an insane clown posse song? Well, you know, mm. that's probably never going to happen. But I still respect your right, you know, to, to be a juggalo. But anyway, I always play something at this point that is connected to the show. You know, someone who's played on my program over the years, a band, a musician. Yes, that but there's nothing against those bands or musicians. But I, or I should say Lori and I, felt picking a song that everyone enjoys is the way to proceed. So, here we go. Here is some great old-time rock and roll from Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And their hit, You Made Me So Very Happy. It's coming at you right now on the Spud Goodman Show. <laughs> love before got mad and closed the door but you said child just once more I chose you for the one now we're having so much fun you treated me so kind I'm about to lose my mind you made me so very happy so glad you came into my life. Uh, nothing against blood, sweat, and tears, but that's about all I can take. I had to hear that song growing up as it was my mother's favorite, you know, when their album came out. Well, your late mother was quite the hipster then. I know I still, to this day, really enjoy Blood, Sweat, and Tears. They're just a wonderful rock band. Oh, no. Yeah, they weren't my cup of tea. I much preferred the MC5 or Grand Funk Railroad back then. Um, you know, the early version of the band, not the sad casino version that's around today. I think my grandmother listens to that blood and something band. She's in a nursing home, but my mom brings her their cassette tapes to play in her room. Uh, good to know. Anyway, uh, let, let's move on to my interview with legendary actress and singer Shirley Jones. 
Now I seem to remember our executive producer did uh, break precedent and order me to allow you, Gerald, to ask one question per guest on this uh, one and, and and on this only only on this episode, I should say. So I'm going to let the listeners determine if you destroyed the flow of the show by butting in. Uh, Dave, run it. All right, please welcome to the show Academy Award-winning actress Shirley Jones. How are you doing tonight, Shirley? I'm doing very well, thank you. Super. Um, well, can we start at the beginning? Uh, did you really move to New York with $100 in your purse and give yourself a year to make it on Broadway as a singer? Because that's, that's uh, <laughs> I just, just, you know, I just needed to know that. Well, actually, um, I, I didn't. I, I went to New York, yes, this, but this was after uh, I had gone to New York with my parents, and I was on my way to college to become a veterinarian. Oh. And um, this was just a summer holiday. This and so after that is when I went with a hundred dollars. But but this is I went to um, an open audition for Rogers and Hammerstein's casting director because I knew this pianist in New York and he said, "Come on, sing a couple of tunes." And so I went to the audition and the casting director said, "What have you done?" And I said, "Nothing." <laughs> you know, I was eighteen, and he said, uh, "Could you wait? Mr. Rogers happens to be across the street rehearsing his orchestra for you know." Um, for Oklahoma, which was about to open at City Center and go out on another tour. I said, I guess so. I didn't even know who he was. I waited. He came. I sang for him. He said, could you wait 20 minutes? I'm going to call my partner, Oscar Hammerstein, at home and have him come and hear you. And uh, I said, well, I guess so. Hammerstein arrived, and he said, you know the score of Oklahoma? And I said, well, I might know some of the, some of the, 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 the music, but I don't know the words. And, of course, I'm talking to the lyricist. He said, never mind, I happen to have a score. But I said, Mr. Hammerstein, there's no one here to play. And Roger said, we have the Full City Center Symphony across the street. Wow. And they, they took me across. I'd never heard a symphony, seen a symphony or anything. Took me across the street. I sang for Mr. Hammerstein. And three weeks later, I was in my first Broadway show. So, South Pacific. My, wow, so you really didn't have, like, the tough times of eating Top Ramen or whatever. You, you Never, ever, no. Wow. Never. Cool. And the $100 situation was, even then, I went back home <clears throat> before I went into the show, and my parents said, I'm an only child, and I said, they, I said, I'll need some money. I got a little tiny apartment in New York, and I said, give me $100, and I said, if I don't make $100 uh, to, to stay in New York, I'll come back, I'll, I'll go back to college to become a veterinarian. Well, I guess the rest is history, so, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Spud. This might be a good time for me to cut in here and ask my question. Great. You did say I get one question, right? Well, that's the deal, but it's a one-time-only agreement, and I will say again, it is under protest. Well, I'm such a fan of Shirley. This is a bit overwhelming, but... Okay, I'm ready. Well, let me tell her first. Excuse me, uh, my temporary co-host Gerald here gets to ask one question, so here he is. Okay. Shirley, after you were cast in some of the biggest films of all time, like Oklahoma, Carousel, and The Music Man, which were truly wholesome roles, was it a difficult decision to go after the role of a prostitute in the movie Elmer Gantry, starring Burt Lancaster? It was the, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, because being a singer, you know, they never think of you as an actress. And uh, yes, I was a singer, and I, I could sing you know, from the time I was born. But my career literally was over because they stopped making musical motion pictures. And it was literally over. And finally, um, you know, my agent said, Shirley, uh, uh, don't, don't, 
don't do any television. We'll, you know, we'll get you another movie. And it was impossible. And at that time, they were doing shows like Playhouse 90 and Lux Video Theater mm-hmm. and wonderful dramatic shows. And I, just, I got a role in Playhouse 90 with Red Skelton called The Big Slide. And I, I had an Emmy nomination for that. And again, it was a prostitute. I played a prostitute. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> so off the record, i got to ask you, do you keep your Oscar in like the living room or is it in a secret location, it's, like a bunker? It's in the living room. It's right in the living room on a stand. And right. you open my front door and that's the first thing you see. Super. All right. Well, in 1970, you took on a role that cemented you forever in the memory of anybody who grew up in that era, and I'm uh, included in that. Uh, Shirley Partridge on The Partridge Family, a musical sitcom. So right. that was, you know, it was not only one of the hottest shows of that decade, you also had a number one song on the Billboard charts, I Think I Love You, a duet with your stepson, David Cassidy. That's so, right, exactly, so, yeah. So I got to get yeah. this out. With that, you and Frank Sinatra were the only performers to ever have an Oscar and a number one hit on the charts. That is, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I guess it is. <laughs> it, but to be very honest with you, it wasn't my <laughs> my my song. It was David's. I mean, I was just sort of in the background. Uh, you know, David it made his career, of course. I mean, you know, he was played my son on the show, and my, he's my stepson, and and um, you know, it really made his career. He suddenly became the, the, one of the major musical stars of the century. Yes, yes, he, yes. And so, let me ask you this: How weird was it for you when you went to perform with, or, or were just out in public with David, your stepson? I mean, the guy was on the bedroom walls of millions, millions, millions of kids. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I I didn't really do anything. I went in and you kind of hummed and 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 sort of you know sang background for David because I didn't really. In the, in the whole almost five years of doing Partridge, I had only two solos in the shows. You know, so. It was not my. It was not my show musically. No, but you're on the. Hey, a win's a win in show, in sports and in show business. You're on the record. You got a number one hit. Let's just go with that. So okay. But you know, as as far as the, when you were out, I was just curious because teenage girls don't really mess around. They don't play around when uh, they come across their crushes in person. Did you ever have to like run away or take cover? Not me. David did, of course. You know, forever. But I had I had you know young girls, for example. I lived in Beverly Hills and right on a corner, and I would wake up every now and then and see a, a beautiful young girl sleeping on my lawn. And I went out there and I said, who are you? What are you doing here? Oh, I took a bus from Iowa. I wanted to meet David Cassidy. Wow. And I had that happen quite a few times. And I had to pay for them to call their parents and pay for them to go home. Geez, well, I'm not going to lie. I was really jealous of David. He was just too cute for, you know, for normal guys. But, all right. Um, well, I wanna, I'm going to divulge something that, you know, may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but it's a fact. From what I've found, you are one of the most beloved figures in show business, as just about every living being you have ever worked with loves you dearly. You know, that, that's kind of strange for the business, if I could say that, because I've been on the fringes, you know, for many years as a talk show host, and you just don't see that uh, with many in the industry. I gotta, I'm just going to throw that out. Yeah. Well, well how does that make you feel? I mean, uh, I, it's, it's, it's quite unusual. Let's just put it that way. Well, it is unusual and and wonderful. I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm you know I, I've I've always been amazed by that. But sometimes, because of the kinds of roles I've played, except for you know um, Elmer Gantry, um, you know, people think of me as as the you know the, the beautiful little housewife mother. You know, yes, I am those things, but I am human. <laughs> so. 
you know, I wrote a book, then you'll see a little more in the book if you've ever read it. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, you've, you've said damn it a couple times, right? Uh-huh, That's of right. course. All right, see, even Mrs. Partridge said, all right. <laughs> well, here's my last question. What's been your most memorable moment outside of show business? My three sons. Okay. And 12 grandchildren. 12? Wow. Yeah, I'm an, I'm an only child, so you can well imagine why I feel that way. Wow, that's super. Um, I right. know, and they all live close. Oh, they're all, all in the Southern California area? Yeah, and they're all in the business, you know. Sean Cassidy, Patrick Cassidy. Oh, yeah? Ryan Cassidy. Wow. David's a stepson, so they're all in the business. What's, what's David doing these days? Well, it's been a kind of low period for him. Um, I mean, he's still working, but, you know, he's... He's had some some drug problems, unfortunately, and um, and that's been a problem. You know, he he has a house in Florida, but he's in the middle of a terrible divorce right now. Yeah, I can and, do that. Yeah, so right. he's uh, not too well. All right, all right. Well, Shirley, I gotta say. It was really a pleasure to be able to speak with you on the show tonight. And I thank, thank you, thank you. I want to thank you so much, Ms. Shirley Jones. Thank you. And if occasionally he'd ponder What makes Shakespeare and Beethoven great Him I could love till I die Him I could love till I die Someday they'll be just once somebody being in love with me. I really feel to this day, if I had the opportunity to ask a few more questions, that interview with Shirley would have gone down as one of the best celebrity guest interviews of all time. I don't think so. I got the distinct vibe from Shirley that if you had, she would have hung up on us. That's just my take. But yeah, uh, one question was more than enough. Oh, and Shirley was such a major talent. And it was very cool to get her on the show. She seems like a really nice lady. I mean, she never cussed you out or anything, Spud. Yeah, well, I, I thought we got along really well. So, so now we're going to play a bit of the interview with our musical guest, Once Upon a Tuesday. Uh, you book these guys, Gerald, so I'll let you toss to the segment. You, me? Oh, okay, then. Well, right now, here is our interview with a really nifty rock band, Once Upon a Tuesday. I, I think everyone will be tapping their toes to their music. Uh, Dave, run the interview, and then their performance live on the show. All right, it's musical guest interview time, uh, but hey, uh, 
dude, since this is yeah. your show tonight and you booked the band, I guess you're supposed to handle the interviews. So have at it. Okie dokie. Well, please welcome the rock and roll band Once Upon a Tuesday to the show. Hey, guys, thanks for doing this. Now, you're going to have to bear with me because this is my first time doing a band interview. Actually, it's my first interview ever, as I normally am not allowed to speak to guests. Right. So, <laughs> why don't we start? I just want to get your names and the instrument that you play. I'm Tyke. I play uh, guitar and lead vocals. I'm Keith, and I play bass and sing, too. And I'm Sandy, and I play drums. Okay. And at what age did each of you first feel the urge to be in a rock and roll band? Uh, I started <laughs> wanting to play music when I was 10. Oh, young. Yeah. I started whenever I was nine. Oh, you beat him by one year. Yeah, Whatever, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was probably about nine. Okay, so you guys all got the bug young. Yeah, that's excellent. Me excellent. in a different era, but. <laughs> all right, now I have to. I have to ask this: Do each of you wear earplugs when you play live? Because I know my wife makes me wear them each week when the you know the bands play that Spud brings in. I mean, good hearing aids—they're expensive, and uh, it pays to be proactive. I think Sandy's the only one who uh, who actually wears earplugs. Oh, we're, okay. We're trying to trying to blow our ears out. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right, guys. Well, what's the name of the first song you're going to be doing? Uh, the first song is "All Inside My Head." All inside my head. All right. Let's rock and roll. Thank you. 
inside my head All inside my head All inside my head This is the Spud Goodman Show Now that was rock and roll. And I remember my ears didn't hurt when I got home that night. That was nice. Yeah, they were talented musicians for sure, but I think we should have let them turn up their amps or something. This was before I was on the show, but yeah, someone on the board should have made them louder. (laughs) Oh, Chance does like his music loud and hard, just like me. Yeah. Uh. Thanks for the info, Aunt Dorothy. So, so now we're going to play a call in segment uh, from my mother, Safola. May she rest in peace. Uh, Dave, roll it. Say, uh, uh, Spud, y- your mom's holding on the line, and I think it might be a good idea just for tonight's show to maybe have one of the interns tell her that you are tied up and can't take the call. Well, I-, I think it might disrupt the momentum of the show. It's going so darn well so far, don't you think? Not especially, no. Hey, look, if I don't take the call now, she's going to keep calling me later at home. And I don't want to be on the phone all night. She can talk until the sun comes up. You know, when she calls into the studio and I'm on the air, there are like time boundaries that save me. Just put her on. Okay, okay. But I'm I'm going on the record right now as advising against it. Oh, all right, Mom, what's up? Hello, is that my baby? Yes, Mom, it's me. Well, I was actually listening to your show earlier while ironing, and I wanted to call in and see if you were being held uh, against your will or something. I keep hearing the voice of some amateur instead of yours. Are you okay? Yeah, Mom, I'm fine. That, that voice you hear is the temporary co-host management thought it would you know, it'd be a great idea to let him take over the show tonight. Basically a rating stunt. But why would they let an amateur take control of your show? It makes no sense at all. Are you about to be fired? If they think they can get rid of the baby I almost died giving birth to without a fight, they have another thing coming. I will lead a listener boycott of this show. Right now, I will get on Facebook and start this boycott. You be sure to like it when you get home, okay? Well, Mom, uh, yeah, Mrs. Goodman, uh, Gerald Holcomb here, uh, temporary permanent co-host of the show. Listen, there's no need for a boycott. This is a one-time-only deal, but we need to see how the ratings turn out, really, before any decisions are made about my future role here. The ratings are going to say people don't like you, okay? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even concerned. Mom, don't worry about it. I'll just be fine. I'll be just fine. Seriously. Well, don't, don't I worry know about you it. will survive. But what am I going to do if you're no longer the host of the show? Where will I be able to call in and get on some airtime? It's not easy. It's, I try all the time at other stations, and most of them hang up on me as soon as they know it's me. Uh-huh. Whoever invented caller ID should be ashamed of themselves. Well, Mom, i, I got to get going now. We have a schedule, so just calm down as everything will be okay. Yeah, and, and Mrs. Goodman, rest assured, if I'm asked in the future to guest host this show again, you, Not gonna happen. you will be allowed to call in. Now, I can't promise you that I'm going to afford you the same airtime your son gives you because I feel calls in by listeners should be no longer than maybe 15, 20 seconds or so. Hey, can you get your mom off the phone in 15 to, say, 20 seconds? Well, I don't think so. I don't know her, but I don't think so. Uh, Spud, who is this Nazi? I sure liked your show a lot better before he was hired. 
maybe I should still do the boycott thing. Tell people to stop listening until they get rid of this guy. It's not a good idea. It's just too risky, Mom. We need every listener we can get these days. I got to go now, though. Bye. Okay, call me this weekend. Toodles. Love you. Yeah, love you too, Uh, Mom. Well, okay. Well, on that, uh, we've reached the midpoint in the program. You know, I think our listeners could pick up on the underlying respect she had for me in my role on this show. Yes, she would continually downgrade me, you know, take pot shots at me and such, but sometimes she was just downright mean to me, Uh, like just a moment ago when she called me a Nazi on the air, but really deep down, I think she was kind of fond of me. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Uh, yes, one perspective. My mom was never subtle about her feelings of others. Uh, she would just like lay it on the line. And from what I could sense, uh, you know, she and I were on the same page about you on the show. In fact, uh, I can say this as she is no longer with us. Uh, on many occasions, she pitched me to fire you and make her the co-host of the show. I, you know, I told her management would never allow it, but she never really gave up on, you know, on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. She said, you're right. That's true. That's true. She told me many times that she should have been named the co-host of this show. She wasn't a fan of yours, Gerald. Well, I think you both maybe misunderstood her as uh, most people really like me. Well, my mom doesn't like you very much either. She told me to never invite you over to our house. Something about you annoying everyone. Hmm. Once I move in with Dorothy after the wedding... I wouldn't be opposed for you to come over to visit us, you know, for a quick drop by. Thank you, I guess, Chance. Uh, well, right now we're going to play some more of the conversation in the studio during this episode. I I think you really start to become, like, drunk with power, Gerald, be, you know, being given so much airtime. Dave, roll it. We've reached the midpoint in the program, and even you, Spud, are going to have to admit the little tweaks our executive producer has implemented in the program, they seem to be working really well. I can actually sense a bit of magic going on here. (laughs) Is that magic going on? It sure seemed to me more like... Well, why don't we keep everything on a positive note here, okay? That was number two on our to-do list. In fact, it had a bullet point, and it was in bold print. Oh, and oh, yeah, don't forget to smile more often. That was number seven, and I just haven't seen it happening on your part. Yeah, well, first of all, this is a radio show, so who cares? And secondly, I harbor deep-seated emotional scars from my teenage years, and that prevents me from public displays of enthusiasm. You know this, everybody should know this, and I also have a note from my therapist excusing me from this job duty and i'm gonna be sharing it with everyone at the next staff meeting if you don't believe me oh i have a note from my obg advising against extreme belly laughs at least for another month or so right. he rec- he recommended only mild laughing given the difficulty of the birth okay okay good to know gina now spud if you could at least just please do no harm as far as bringing down the energy level don't you feel the momentum we've built up here it's like we're riding a giant wave and we need to hang 10 all the way to the shore what's D- that chicken still doing out dude Seriously, you can't even swim, I bet, let alone surf. So maybe try some other metaphor if you want to make a point. (laughs) (laughs) Okie dokie. I hear Uh, you. Okie dokie? Yeah, okie dokie. Listen, maybe this would be a fine time to see if our next guest is on the line. Isn't that your job? Well... Yeah, we you know we have a flow to the show, and tonight we've kind of switched roles. Maybe I can't handle it. No, if- no, I. 
You you can handle this. Trust Come me, on, you can handle this. You can do it. <laughs> well, I think I can, but if you don't like it, I can get one of the interns to maybe no, jump in. No, no, no. I, I am not. No, I'm I'm not gonna handle. I'm just not gonna. I, not going to bother them. You are going to handle this, all right? We're not going to bother any intern. And by the way, I really believe they, as an intern, are still higher on the food chain, you know, than your job title currently. Well, a temporary, a temporary permanent co-host would actually be number two in the line of succession. If God forbid anything happened to you, now we've gone over this many times previously. Yeah, I don't care how many times we go over it. You will never succeed me. if I do keel over here on the mic, it's never going to happen. Well, I don't feel comfortable laughing about Spud dying here on the show. Sorry. Oh, let's leave the issue to our executive producer. Right now, let's check and see if the you next guest is... Uh, just like that amazing HBO series Succession that, that I belatedly just finished up a while ago, it, it wouldn't end well for you trying to someday take over for me when I croak or walk away from this current gig, you know, hosting the podcast. You just you're just dreaming if you have those ambitions. As the most popular person on the old radio show, I'm pretty sure talks are already underway about our executive producer, Lori, and the syndicator wanting me to take over. It's just that I don't know if I would want to take the job. It's way too time-consuming. I mean, Spud, you have to put in at least a few minutes of prep before you go on the air, right? I'm not wired for preparation. I just kind of go with the flow. That's so hot. But we are working on that, babe. You're making progress in this area. I don't see you ever wanting to be a host of a radio show or a podcast, but there are areas in life where a little forethought and preparation is a good thing. Yeah, I guess so. Well, it's no secret I am being groomed by management to take on a much bigger role someday. Maybe, maybe sooner than anyone expects. What's that supposed to mean? All right, anyway, l- l- let's move on to my interview with the late actress Cindy Williams. Now, I can confidently say, you know, that she and I hit it off really well in our conversation. I, I think she actually liked me. She was an actress, right? At least yes. I did get in one question with Cindy, though I should add I had prepared so many more. I, I do think I added something special to the interview. Uh, Special is a subjective term. Uh, Dave, uh, run the segment, please. All right, please welcome actress, producer, and author Cindy Williams to our show. How's it going, Cindy? It's going great, Spud. How's it going with you? Actually, excellent. I have to say that, except for the fact that my my co-host here is uh, a little bit too prominent in this episode, but that's something I'll deal with off the air. All right, let's let's start this thing off with talking about your new book, Surely I Jest, a storied life published by Taylor Trade Publishing and now available at all bookstores and online at Amazon and other retailers, right? Correct, you uh, are. Super. So the first thing that jumps out at me from your book is contrary to what people might assume about the financial status of actors like yourself who were featured in many movies and television shows in the 70s, uh, you were not exactly rolling in money through this period, correct? Through, um, well, there were. T- I guess you're referring to the two years I write about in the book where I didn't really work a lot and I was going to... Uh, I was going to move away and uh, get a waitressing job in another town. 
and right. then come back into Hollywood because I hadn't worked for a while. Yes, it's true. Everybody goes through that. I mean, maybe not today. I don't know. Because today, I look at all the young actors and actresses and think, they're rolling in the dough. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So, but who knows? I mean, everybody goes through their ups and downs. It's kind of like the sports uh, situation, uh, professional sports, where uh, the contracts way back, I mean, guys were making, you know, uh, you know, maybe 80, 90 thou, some of the better players. And, and, and people assume way, even way back when you were doing, when you first broke in and did regular television work. You, yeah, I mean, you weren't making uh, uh, Friends or Seinfeld money, correct? No, no. But we were making, you know, we were making a lot of money for the time we were in and also for us. I mean, we, you know, we couldn't believe our good fortune. But I'll tell you something. The boys on uh, Happy Days were making twice our salary because we were girls. I'm not a feminist like that, an activist like that, but that, that was the truth. That's they not were fair. making twice as much <laughs> wow. as, as we were. Wow, that... I know it's not fair. Wow. I know. Say, Spud. What? Would this be a good time for me to ask my question? It just seems like a good time for me to jump in. Whatever. Are we live on the air? How can I conduct an interview, though, with a guest when I have someone like you cutting in just when I've developed a bond here with, like, Cindy? Fine, just go ahead, but remember, this will never, ever happen again. you got to tell well, people I've that. I've learned in life never to say never, you know? Things just happen, so we'll just agree to disagree on that one. Can I ask my question now? Fine, go ahead, but make it quick. <clears throat> Hello, Cindy. My name is Gerald Holcomb. Okay. I'm the co-host of the Spud Goodman Show. I wanted to ask you about your high school classmate, Sally Field. That's okay. Off the record, did everyone like her in school? You know, I mean, really, really like her? She seems so darn likable. Oh, yes. She was a marvelous actress at 15 and very likable. Um, just a wonderful person. Okay, then. I'm back. Cindy, uh, thank you for indulging him. Okay. Um, well, you acted in Jack Nicholson's first movie he directed in 1971, Drive, he said. Did, did he shut down production even back then, maybe when the Lakers were playing at home at the Forum? He's, no. he's a major, major hoop fan. I'm just curious. I know he has that in his contract. Larry had it in his contract later that you know he could he would uh, basically shut down stuff just to go catch the Lakers, and then he'd come back and resume production. It just never happened back then, huh? Right. Well, this was 1971, so he was just... You know, I mean, just becoming a, a major star when he directed Drive, he said. And uh, I don't remember any of that, but Drive, he said, as you well know, Spud, was about uh, basketball. Yes. And about a, a basketball team, college basketball team, and a, a star on that team. Yeah, Jack's always been a major hoop fanatic, maybe the biggest one in Hollywood, so I was just curious. Um, all right, well... Could you tell us about the impact of being cast in George Lucas's classic film, American Graffiti, what it had on your personal life? I mean, when that came out, I mean, everybody fell in love with you. Were you, were you being dogged by every single and or married actor in Hollywood? I mean, everybody loved you. Oh, well, thanks for that. But no is the answer. Oh, and okay. uh, that's when, um, you know, it, but it certainly, I mean, that film had a, a very... Um, curious and uh, interesting and entertaining journey because the studio hated it and so really? they more or less shelved it for a year Wow! and then it was only because of musicians like uh, I don't know I think Elton John had uh, screenings of it and then the staff at Universal loved it and uh, so finally the um, the studio released it 
and uh, then it became this major hit, and it just had took on a life of its own, and uh, it was thrilling to be in it and go, you know, uh, into Westwood and see lines around the block for the film, and nobody believed it who, who was in it, that it was, no one believed it was going to be such a phenomenon as it was, and uh, and still kind of is to this day. Yes, it is. And it's just a marvelous movie, and it's on AFI's top 100, you know, movies of all time list. And uh, so in that respect, Spud, it was, a, it was marvelous for me, you know, and still is. But no, there weren't any guys beating down, no rich gentlemen beating down really? my door. Um, that surprises it me. Was, it was, pardon? That surprises me because you were hot. In that movie, oh. everybody, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was uh, maybe the girl next door thing, but boy, you really sold that one. It was, anyway, that's just my own take. So uh, I'll, I probably, I'll change well, the Well, thank you for that. I take that as a big compliment, Spud. Thank you. That's That'll right. get me through the day. Uh, all righty. Um, well, getting back to the iconic series uh, that you starred in, Laverne and Shirley, the book discusses there were some tough times in the working relationship between you and Penny Marshall, but you guys toughed it out, and, and I guess you left in 82 to have your first child. But looking back, are those kind of situations kind of inevitable in creative projects, you know, where stuff happens when you work closely over an extended period of time and just kind of go in different directions? Go in different directions? Well, I mean, just, I mean, when you work together. Or is together, it inevitable that yes. creative people are going to have differences? Yes, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Creative people, I think, do have differences. That's what makes it fun, and that's what made our show fun, is Penny and I are very much alike in many, many respects, and in many respects, we're very, very, di- we're the opposite. And uh, she's a quick study. I'm a very slow study. Because I'm dyslexic, and uh, oh. she, but she's very athletic. I'm agile. She can dance. I can kind of sing. You know, I mean, there were just different things, but our differences complemented each other. And when the at the end of the day, when we hit that stage, we were totally in sync. We were on, you know, we were on on point together, and uh, and nothing could you couldn't slip a playing card between us. So you later did an animated version of Laverne and Shirley for ABC on Saturday mornings. Is doing voice work the best gig in Hollywood? Because you can wear what you want. You don't have to worry about getting sunburned or having a cold sore or anything. Well, you're right in that respect. Yes, it is a great gig. Coming in your pajamas as long as your voice is together. Um, All right. Well, this is my last question. It is my most... uh, It's my money question. Um, What has been... Uh, your most memorable moment inside or outside the entertainment industry, Cindy Williams? Well, there's been many, many moments. But, um, oh, there's just many moments. I write about them in the I don't even know how to pick one. Uh, meeting Cary Grant. Cary Grant Ooh. coming over to, to talk to me. Ooh. Wow. At, at the hall. I, I write that. I, I write about that in the book, and and my mother was with me, and uh, and my mother was. Uh, anyway, I, I it's it's one of my favorite things in the book. I mean, it's just a little moment. It's one of my favorite things in the book. My mother's reaction to it. Mine, I couldn't speak. My mother, on the other hand, couldn't stop speaking. So um, it yeah. was a lot of fun, and he just was. Oh, Bigger than life, better than you'd ever imagine him. You know, just a beautiful, 
specimen of a man. <laughs> he was just wonderful and a sweetheart. So, you know, like, there's a reason. There's a reason, Spud, why you know movie stars are movie stars, um, and I believe it's because yes, they're loved no matter if they're male or female. A movie star is loved by both men and women. They feel they're relatable. Even though they're bigger than life, and, and everybody wants to be them or be their friend, and that's a movie star. And I give you Harrison Ford, or um, well, I go back to Rosalind Russell, and um, it, they're just you know that's a movie star. Somebody everybody loves. So Cary Grant uh, off the big screen was was suave and cool and all that stuff, uh, just like you know, it was the real deal, huh? Yes. Wow. He's the real, de- exactly, exactly what you just said. Wow. I hate it when people are like that and all, my like, God dang. All right, super. Uh, yeah, don't you hate him? Absolutely. <laughs> all right, well, uh, Cindy's book, Surely I Jest, A Storied Life, is now available at all bookstores and online retailers. I'm going to tell you, I want to thank you so much for uh, checking in with us tonight. This has been a treat for me. And me, Spud. Well, thank you for saying that anyway. All right, Miss Cindy Williams. Mr. Spud Goodman, thank you so much. Hey. It was a lot of fun. I know all of Cindy's fans miss her greatly. She seemed like such a nice person as well as being a very talented actress. I used to love Laverne and Shirley so much growing up. Yeah, my parents said that was one of their favorite shows when they were younger. And I enjoyed that interview very much. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to forget our conversation for sure. Uh, okay, right now we're going to air an old segment of Poetry Man that was on this episode. Um, it is titled North Korea. North Korea. North Korea has a vacation spot will never get five stars. Like, I'm pretty sure they don't have any cool bars or even any rental cars. You could say most of it looks like the surface of Mars, where people store a year's supply of food in jars. Germs are everywhere, so there's also a good chance to contact SARS. So let's all agree North Korea is a dump, but it's also a pretty smart real estate buy as a fixer-upper. You can thank me later. You know, I don't know how knowledgeable Poetry Man is on the real estate market. I, I don't think I would take investment advice from him. <laughs> well, if their little pudgy leader, Little Rocket Man, ever kicks the bucket, there might just be some decent property available that might be worth something. Uh, I don't know if everyone is aware 
Uh, but I must add, my chance is studying investing right now. Hmm. He reads the Wall Street Journal regularly. I know he's destined for great success financially one day. Uh, I hope you can hang around for that day to come, Aunt Dorothy. I mean, I, I don't know if you have three or four decades to wait on that one. I know I'll be long gone before chance becomes a, an investment expert. Yeah. Anyway, right now we're we're going to play a segment with our resident psychic, Ted Marr. He, he always drops the knowledge on us. Uh, on this one, I think I asked him about ghosts. And yes, you know, some of what he says is hard to believe, but it's like Christmas or Easter. You know, there's no Santa or Easter bunny, but but it's enjoyable to buy in for the kids, you know. Oh, Ed Spud, your mother told me you used to leave out cookies and milk for Santa each Christmas Eve until you left for college. Well, you know, it was just something that I knew was, was kind of dumb, but it felt right at the time, okay? Uh, just, just put Ted's segment on, Dave. All right, say hello, everyone, to Mr. Ted Marr in his Out of This World segment. Uh, what's going on tonight? Well, I thank you so much for taking my, my call, Spud. Right. I, um, it's interesting. I, I spend a lot of time on the other side. And, um, you know, talking to someone who's passed on, um, as a, you know, they're sometimes called well, ghosts. Good, or spirits. good, because that's what I was going to ask you. How did you know? You read my mind. That is that's scary. <laughs> you know, because I was trying to fall asleep, you know, last night, and I started thinking about all the ghost stories I heard when I was a kid. And I, and I won't lie, you know, sometimes I'm still a little scared when I hear a, no, you know, a noise in the middle of the night. I mean, I could care less about burglars because it's all about ghosts for me. They freak me out. So first of all, uh, you're, what you're saying, ghosts are, your ghosts are real? Oh, absolutely. And and the thing is, too, is that uh, when people, you notice the term pass on in this culture, Spud, when people, they don't say, sometimes people say that, they, that, that their friend or relative has died or somebody they know died, but more often than not, they will say pass on. And pass on does not mean death. Pass on means you simply pass on to another dimension. The soul is eternal, and we're, we're from the spirit world so that we reincarnate. We reincarnate, reincarnate into these physical bodies, and Earth is like a school, huh. and Earth school. And so that when we pass on, we go on to another dimension afterwards. Then we plan out our next life. Really? So are, mm -hmm. are, are there like friendly Casper-type ghosts, or are they all like mean-ass ghosts like in the stories people told me when I was a little kid? Because no one would ever tell me happy ghost stories. <laughs> well, ghosts are, are much like people you know now. Some are nice, some aren't so nice, some are friendly, some aren't friendly. Oh. And the a person's personality remains intact when they pass over. The difference is when they pass over into the spirit world, into heaven, so, so to speak, um, they, have, they have access to what's called universal truth, universal knowledge, where everything, they, they can find the answers out to everything, and that usually tempers one's perspective. Although, if a person was really nasty on this side of the, on this side of the, the, of the veil, they're often very nasty on the other side, too. So that's where you get uh, uh, nasty ghosts sometimes. They're still the same people, but they've passed on to another dimension. Say, Spud. Could you ask Ted if he could come over to my house sometime? The wife and I really believe there's a ghost in our basement. We haven't told the kids because we don't want to traumatize them. I don't think Ted does house calls for that type of thing. You know, Ghostbusters was a movie. It wasn't real. 
I know that, but maybe Ted could give us some advice on how to keep our ghost in a good mood, as he's really been keeping the both of us up at night lately, creating all sorts of racket in the basement. Uh, the kids, they'd sleep through an earthquake, so they've not heard him. Well, look, I, I will give you Ted's email address, and you can ask him yourself. Now, I need to get back to the interview. Well, are, are there ever any famous ghosts? Because you never hear about any celebrity ghosts bothering people in their houses, like, say, Wyatt Earp or Eleanor Roosevelt. or You know, they're, they're always just kind of uh, anonymous ghosts. Right, right. Well, those those ghosts typically um, have a lot of, many of them have a lot of earth attachments. Um, they may have di- died suddenly or tragically, let's say, uh, in the old Wild West, maybe they were in a gunfight and they died suddenly, and they've never quite accepted death, so they've, they're still hanging around that old saloon in, somewhere in the West. Or if they've been in a car accident um, and um, they've, they really missed their family, they're still hanging around. Um, there's no time in the fifth we're, we're in the third dimension here the fourth dimension's time and then the fifth dimension I know it's hard for people perhaps to think about this but but there's no past present or future everything happens all at once and there's no time so for example <clears throat> if, if a spirit pa- when a spirit passes on somebody passes on to the other side and they're there for example for a thousand years they can choose because there's no time it, 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 there's no wow. uh, time's not there not present it's not the same as, as here Huh. Well, that's. I guess that's. Uh, that's interesting. So if I don't, I don't really plan to go willingly when my time comes. I'm going to go kicking and stre- screaming. So does that mean that there's a good chance that I'm going to be a ghost? Well, no, not at all. Not at all. And actually, from what I've been told by my spirit friends on the other side, before all of us come into this life in the third dimension, you contract for uh, certain life experiences, who you'll meet, for example, even who you'll marry. And then you also contract very often for how long you live. I know, for example, how long I will live. Um, And um, I was very fortunate. Don't tell me how long I'm going to live. Don't tell me. Don't do not tell me, please. Please do not do that. Okay. Okay. I wouldn't tell you unless you ask, because I don't like to give that information to people unless they really want to know. And usually I I hold that back. There's certain things I just don't say out of discretion. All right, the, the people on the, on the board over there tell me we're out of time, so I want to thank you again so much for calling in tonight, okay? My pleasure, Spud, and I hope you and your listeners have a wonderful day. All right, Mr. Ted Marr. Who the hell wants to know the date of when they die in advance? On that one, Spud, I'm with you 100%. Chance, only God knows those types of things. Uh, No disrespect to Ted, but I think that one is out of his skill set. I mean, dying is is like enough of a bummer. Who wants to know the the next day or week, you know, they'll be checking out. Talk talk about a a real buzzkill. Yeah. Anyway, now we're going to run the last segment of the show, uh, an episode I hope will now be... Forgotten forever after people are done listening to this thing. Uh, you know, the decision to have you host this was was beyond stupid. I can say that clearly. Uh, you know, and, and also the decision to make it so damn wholesome. <sighs> anyway, well, heads should have rolled is what I'm trying to say here. And yeah, Dave, uh, roll the last closing of this one. Well, as they say, all good things must come to an end. And I'm yeah. being told we need to wrap up now. 
Spud, can you believe how amazing this show was? It exceeded all of my expectations for sure. I mean, come on. Even a cynic like you were thoroughly entertained, right? Yeah. I mean, there were some cool moments. There were. Well, thank God I still conducted the interviews with our celebrity guests. You know, I'm thinking, though, that doing this thing might have killed our chances to book Andy Dick. And you know how bad I want Andy Dick on this show. Well, listen, if Andy Dick listens to this episode, he will jump at the chance of being on our show. I know it. Ooh, I don't know about that one. Oh. Yeah, yeah we'll, right, Gina, we'll, we, we'll see. Maybe we went too far with this Up With People vibe. It's, it's, it's going to creep out a number of potential guests besides Andy Dick. Speaking of guests... My wife, Rachel, wrote up an awesome list of celebrities we should be targeting for booking. Some of them might just come be out of our reach right now, well, but if we can keep doing and keep maintaining the changes that we started here tonight, we just might be able to get a Kirk Cameron or maybe one of those Jonas Brothers. But I totally understand that we need to target that youth demo, and hey, who knows? Soon, some of those type of guests might be calling us to appear on the program. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Hey, uh, be careful what you wish for is the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, which Jonas brother? Well, I don't know exactly, but I do have to say this. Before we go, I want to thank our guests tonight, Shirley Jones, Cindy Williams, and our musical guest, Once Upon a Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, they're all really nice. They were Those, those guys were really nice. They were great. I, I, the guests, you know, I thought Cindy and... Surely we're really cool. The only problem I really had here tonight is you, to be honest. <laughs> Me too. Oh, I, I know you're both speaking in jest. So, listen, why don't we all say goodnight? No, no, I, I'm being serious. But yeah, I'll, I'll sign off. I'll, I'll do my thing. I am Spud Goodman. Be all you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Um, I was dead serious too. What can I say, Gerald? You creep me out. Yeah, ha ha. I know you guys are kidding. And I will say once again, no, I was not kidding. And I know Gina wasn't either. Well, let's leave this one up to the listeners. If they felt this was one of our all-time best episodes, they can send their vote uh, to our still executive producer now on this podcast, Lori Madsen. Everybody, let her know that you really, really enjoyed me hosting and that you would love to have me do it again on this version of the show. You really think outside of your wife and maybe a few people from your church, that anyone is going to take the time to email Lori to say how great you were? Wow, you are dreaming. I don't think it's going to happen. I'll go on record that if this guy ever gets to host this podcast, I'll turn in my resignation the next day. But wait, should an intern resigner just not show up for work? Do you even have to fill out paperwork if you aren't getting paid? Nah, there's no need to resign. If it happens again, I'll just stop the damn show and take an early retirement. <laughs> I think you might be too old to qualify for an early retirement. Whatever. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Well, and I am Gerald Holcomb, your host uh, for, for at least this episode. And if you want more of me, uh, then e the email address for you is thespudgoodmanshow at gmail.com. And it would help if you spell my name correctly. Uh, some people often misspell it. It is H-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-O-L-C-
You've been listening to the Spud Goodman Radio Show. No more a waste of your time than other vacuous programs currently on the air. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman, produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. Executive producer is Lori Madsen. Video director is PJ Pikes. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2015, Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show podcast, copyright 2023, Spud Goodman Productions.